0: Hey, Grace242 kids, when I. When
1: I was a young what?
0: No, 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 no. When I was a kid, I liked doing sidewalk chalk. And now that I'm a dad, I like doing sidewalk chalk with both of my kids. And one of the things Brenda and I like to do is make a big house on the driveway out of chalk and make all these different rooms, and then we like to turn the rooms into like our dream house, like a mansion with all these different rooms. Today, in my message, I'm going to be talking about houses, and I want you to think about your dream house, and if you could build a dream house, what rooms would you put in your dream house? What's one of your favorite rooms that you would stick into your dream house? And then after the message, the adults are actually going to give you time to share about what sort of room you would put in your dream house.
1: Good morning. My name is Roberta Kiss. Today, I will be reading from the book of Acts, chapter 2, verses 44 through 47, and that will be followed by Uh, Chapter 18, verses 1 through 8. And all the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. They sold their property and possessions and shared the money with those in need. They worshiped together at the temple each day, met in homes for the Lord's Supper, and shared their meals with great joy and generosity, all the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And each day, the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. Now from chapter 18. Then Paul left Athens and went to Corinth. There he became acquainted with a Jew named Aguila, born in Pontus, who had recently arrived from Italy with his wife Priscilla. They had left Italy when Claudius Caesar deported all Jews from Rome. Paul lived and worked with them, for they were tent makers just as he was. Each Sabbath found Paul at the synagogue trying to convince the Jews and Greeks alike. And after Silas and Timothy came down from Macedonia, Paul spent all his time preaching the word. He testified to the Jews that Jesus was the Messiah. But when they opposed and insulted him, Paul shook the dust from his clothes and said, Your blood is upon your own heads. I am innocent. From now on, I will go preach to the Gentiles. Then he left and went to the home of Titus Justus, a Gentile who worshiped God and lived next door to the synagogue. Crispus, the leader of the synagogue and everyone in his household believed in the Lord. Many others in Corinth also heard Paul, became believers and were baptized. This is the word of the Lord.
0: Hey Grace242, Pastor Bill here. Question for you, what do you do when your environment becomes less than hospitable to a large church gathering as you've known it for most of your life? What do you do when your environment at best hinders you and at worst completely prevents you from gathering as a large group? What do you do? Many of you know that China is one of the least hospitable places for Christianity. And since the outbreak of the coronavirus, things have only gotten worse for Christians in China. In February, the government released an order banning giving out a location for certain, quote, illegal religious activities. Earlier this year, Christians had their homes raided, where their imagery in their homes of crosses and any Christian imagery was stripped and replaced with portraits of Chinese Communist leaders. In May, the Communist Party raided the home of a Christian They affixed to the walls portraits of famous communist leaders from history and also the portrait of the current Communist Party leader, Xi Jinping, and they told the residents of that home, these are your greatest gods. If you want ones to worship, these are the ones. In April, another Christian who was on disability had their monthly allowance canceled because they continued to attend worship services despite the government's orders. On March 13th, A Christian captured the video of the moment that Chinese authorities removed a cross. Another video captured the remains of a church that had been destroyed by communist authorities. Christians in China report that the government used these lockdowns as an opportunity to destroy these churches. Now some of you might be saying, yeah Bill, that's all the way over in China. That will never happen here in America. And my answer is, it's already come to our shores. Pastor Mike McClure of Calvary Chapel in San Jose, California, faces a fine of at least $220,000 for holding indoor services since May 31, the day of Pentecost, thanks to Governor Gavin Newsom's restrictions on churches during the COVID-19 pandemic. In the same county, Jack Treiber, the pastor of North Valley Baptist Church, moved services to the church parking lot after fines for not abiding COVID-19 restrictions rose to over $112,000. The 3,000-seat church was being fined $5,000 for every service indoors it held, as well as fines for other violations, such as singing. Also, I know I've mentioned him many times before, but my friend Seth Stevens is the pastor at Valley Bible Church in Clovis, California. They cannot meet in their building. They cannot hold in-person worship services due to the state's restrictions. Now, two things can be true at the same time. Number one, is COVID-19 something that we ought to take seriously and protect our vulnerable populations from? Yes. Number two, ought we be concerned over the governmental restrictions that they've exercised over churches right now? Yes. Two things can be true at the same time. What do you do when your environment becomes less than hospitable to church gatherings? In China, their answer is jia-ting. is a word that roughly translates to house church, or family church, or home church, or congregation. This from Christianity Today. The members of such churches often regard their church as jia, which means the family or the home associated with a sense of familial belonging and close-knit fellowship. In order to be an officially recognized church in China, you have to register with something called the Three-Self Committee. The problem is that by registering with the Three Self Committee you are essentially signing a statement of agreement with the Chinese Communist government. By registering with the Three Self Committee you are essentially making yourself a tool of the Chinese government. Back to the Christianity Today article. Tens of thousands of Xie churches of various sizes persist throughout China and most have been firm in rejecting the Three Self Committee. While large congregations have had to break into smaller groups for worship and prayer meetings, many Xi'ateng churches continue to baptize new members and plan for overseas missions. In fact, as historians and sociologists of religion know well, when it comes to bringing in new converts, the evangelistic zeal of a small group fellowship is often more effective than large church gatherings. What do you do when your environment becomes less than hospitable to church gatherings? In China, their answer is jia-ting. What do you do when your environment becomes less than hospitable to church gatherings? I want to look at Acts, and we're going to look at a few moments in light of this question. We're first going to look at Acts 2, verses 44 to 46. Let's read. And all the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. They sold their property and possessions and shared the money with those in need. They worshiped together at the temple each day, met in homes for the Lord's Supper, and shared all their meals with great joy and generosity. Acts 2.44 says that the believers were together. An N.T. Wright's translation of the New Testament says this, All of those who believed came together. Who are we? We are gathering people. And verse 44 narrates two spaces in which we gather. Number one, in the temple. And number two, in homes who are we we are gathering people at the temple the believers would have met in what's called the court of the gentiles because the inner courts were reserved for jews only and so the court of the gentiles is this huge space where both jews and gentiles could come together and worship we see two primary gathering spaces at the temple and in homes look at acts 5 verse 42 says and every day In the temple, and from house to house, they continued to teach and preach this message, Jesus is the Messiah. Who are we? We are gathering people, and we gather at the temple, and we gather in homes. But just a few chapters later, one of these ministry spaces would be taken away. We're introduced to this man named Stephen, who is a powerful witness to Jesus as the Messiah. And because he was such a powerful and effective witness, this cheesed off a lot of the Jewish leaders. And so these Jewish leaders brought false accusations against Stephen. They accused him of blaspheming the temple. And so the temple building becomes this point of contention between these Jewish leaders who don't like Stephen being a witness to Jesus and Stephen himself. Look at Acts 6 verse 14. It says, We have heard him say that this Jesus of Nazareth will destroy the temple and change the customs Moses handed down to us. These are Jesus' own words that these Jews are using against Stephen. In John 2, 19, Jesus says, destroy this temple and in three days I will raise it up. These words were used against Jesus when he was on trial, and now Jesus' same words are being used against Stephen. When Stephen is given a chance to answer for himself, he boldly gives this gospel narrative, starting in the Old Testament, weaving a theme that points to Jesus all the way through. And at the end, he accuses the Jewish leaders of having hard hearts. He rebukes them for their resistance to the gospel that points to Christ as the Messiah. And this just riles up the Jewish leaders to the point that the Bible says they began shaking their fists in rage at Stephen, which reminds me of this. Oh, you lousy Springfielder! you shake harder, boy! You can imagine this scene, right? All these Jewish leaders shaking their fists at Stephen. Oh, you lousy shake harder, men, right? <laughs> but they are mad. They are riled up. And so they drag Stephen outside the city walls in their fury and they stone him to death. And the Bible tells us in Acts 8 verse 1, A great wave of persecution began that day, sweeping over the church in Jerusalem. And all the believers except the apostles were scattered through the regions of Judea and Samaria. Two ministry spaces, the home and the temple. And the temple, because of Stephen's death, has just been taken away. Because the believers don't feel like it's safe at the temple anymore. The Jesus followers aren't going to gather in the temple courts when one of them just got stoned to death for testifying to Jesus as the Messiah. Two ministry spaces, the temple and homes, and the temple has just been taken away. What do you do when your environment becomes hostile to church gatherings? Flash forward to Acts chapter 18. Paul arrives in the city of Corinth and he finds a home that's willing to take him in. It's this man named Aquila and his wife Priscilla, and they are people of peace to him. They're open to who Paul is. They're open to his life. They're open to what Paul wants to do. So they take Paul into their home, and as is Paul's playbook, he goes into the synagogue. Now remember, two gathering spaces, in the home and in the temple. And in this case, now that he's in the city of Corinth, the temple is like the synagogue. And so Paul's playbook is to go into the synagogue. So you have these two ministry spaces, the home and the temple, and in this case, Paul is going into the public space, the temple, or we might say the synagogue. Paul goes into the synagogue, but things do not go well. Chapter 18, verse six says, they opposed and insulted Paul. So Paul, following the instructions of Jesus, shakes the dust off his feet and leaves. Two ministry spaces, the temple and the home. And what do you do when the public option When the temple or the synagogue becomes hostile? You go to the other space. Look at Acts 18, verse 7. Then Paul left and went to the home of Titius Hustus, a Gentile who worshiped God and lived next door to the synagogue. Two ministry spaces, the temple and the home. And what do you do when the public option, when the temple or the synagogue becomes hostile? You go into the home. And so Paul, in this case, goes into the home of another person of peace, right next door to the synagogue, a man by the name of Titius Justus. And look at this. When Paul was in the synagogue, he got booed out of the space. It was a hostile space for him.
1: Oh, you lousy spring fielder, you shake harder, boy!
0: But when he goes into the home, the synagogue leader himself comes to faith. Look at 18, verse 8. Crispus... The leader of the synagogue and everyone in his household believed in the Lord. Many others in Corinth also heard Paul, became believers, and were baptized. (laughs) When Paul's in the synagogue, he gets booed out of the place. But when he goes into the home, even the synagogue leader himself believes, and his family believe, and many residents of Corinth believe as well. What do you do when the public space becomes hostile? You go into the home. And look what the Lord did. Who are we? We are gathering people. And I marvel at the doors that were opened when Paul moved from the public space of the temple to the space of the home. Regardless of your opinion on the lockdowns, I think we can all agree that the environment out there that we're living in right now is hostile to large group gatherings. One of the answers that churches have come up with to all of this strain has been to put their services online, but the sense I get from churches that have done online services is that their pastors are worn out, they're tired, they're at the end of their ropes, they feel isolated, they feel removed. I mean, they're preaching to an empty room and the sense I get is that every week, the weeks just go by and, and all it becomes is a desperate attempt to try to create another product to be put online for their people to consume. And and from the people standpoint, the sense I get is they're jaded, they're sick of it. They feel isolated, they don't feel connected, they're sick of passively consuming this service online. And And so if we are gathering people, Does online services really allow us a space to gather in? And I have my doubts about that. Another answer to all this societal pressure and strain has been for churches to move to in-person worship services. But even those churches that have moved to in-person worship services have faced difficulty. I have a friend whose church has moved to in-person services and he's telling me that his congregation is completely divided and people are only becoming more entrenched in their camps. And you have over here a masking camp, and you have over here a no-masking camp. This camp says, I will not wear a mask, and this camp over here says, everyone needs to wear a mask if I'm going to be there. And so they're divided over something as benign and innocuous as masks. I have another friend who is a pastor in the Twin Cities, and he was telling me this past week about how difficult his year has been. And he said one of the reasons why his year has been so difficult is he pastors a smaller church and he's had several families leave his church over the masks. And so in-person services are facing trouble as well. Churches are facing tremendous strain right now. And the national data is not good. The national data is showing that people are leaving the church in droves. And there's several reasons for that leaving. But there's an article by Barna that says that over the next 18 months, One in five churches will close their doors. That's how dire it is. The stakes are really high, people. But when I look at Grace 242, I see a counter narrative. The overarching narrative is people are leaving the church right now. But when I look at Grace 242, we've actually grown during this pandemic. We've grown numerically and we've grown spiritually. I mean, we have new people coming to our house churches and then they're coming back again in consecutive weeks. I've got people that are knocking on my door about covenant partnerships saying, Bill, I wanna formalize my relationship with Grace 242. I wanna formalize my belonging in this community. We've grown numerically and we've grown spiritually. I mean, I've seen people who have been cut to the core throughout all this. And at the end of the day, their answer to the question, what's most important is my relationship with Jesus Christ. And they've doubled down and their relationship with Christ in all of this. I've seen people, and this is true of many of us, right? Whereas we used to organize church around our lives, I've seen people who now organize their lives around making sure that they're at church on Sunday because they don't want to miss it. Like it's can't miss part of their lives. This is incredible. I mean, it is a legit miracle. One of my favorite quotes is, if you can explain it, God didn't do it. And I can't explain the counter narrative I can't explain the growth when the overarching narrative is people are leaving the church. We have growth here at Grace 242. I, I can't explain it. And all I can do is just say thank you, Lord, for the miracle that you're doing in our midst. Thank you. I thank the Lord in all this, but I also want to thank all of you. I'm really proud to be Grace 242's under-shepherd right now. I shepherd a group of people who are willing to make large changes on a moment's notice. Who are willing to change in the way that's needed throughout all of this societal upheaval. I shepherd a group of people who are creative and who are willing to try risks for the kingdom. I shepherd a group of people who are pliable and willing to say, okay, Lord, what do you want us to do right now in the middle of all this? So thank you that I get to shepherd a group of people like that. Who are we? We are gathering people and when the public space becomes hostile what do you do you go into the home when the temple as a gathering space is taken away where do we gather we gather in the home many of you know that Morgan and I have been freed up to begin visiting the house churches, which I'm so excited about. I can't wait to come visit you. Um, And that will be our role going forward, that we will just rotate through the house churches. And I'm so excited to see all of you, to visit with all of you, to talk with all of you. Um, We'll be visiting you. If you haven't seen us yet, we're coming your way. This past week, I went to the Komarowski House Church, and Pam had this lyric video playing on the TV from YouTube. And we were all singing along, and I'm closing my eyes, and I'm listening to us sing. And, and even Dan Holtz was singing along, people. I could hear him. He was singing loud. I mean, it was just beautiful. I'm, I'm closing my eyes. I'm listening to all the voices sing. And I heard the Lord say in that moment, you will never stop my church. Because when the public gathering space, when the temple is taken away, what do we do? We just go into the home. I heard him say, you will never stop my church. And then I imagined a hydra. Like, you cut off one head, you cut off the temple, and what do we do? Well, we just sprout a bunch of little other heads. You cut off the large gathering, what do we do? Well, we get smaller, and we just have all sorts of, a bunch of other gatherings. And I'm closing my eyes, I'm listening to everyone sing, and I just started imagining all of our other house churches gathering in their respective spaces, praising the Lord in their own way that morning. And I can tell you, I've been to Bethel music concerts, I've been to... Matt Maher concert, I've been to for King and Country concert, and in a biblical, early church, simple sort of a way, singing along with that lyric video with the Komarowski House Church was an experience that transcended all of those other amazing concert experiences. Because I sat there, I closed my eyes, and I thought, this is the church. I get to shepherd a group of people that wants to be the church in all of this. And here we get to sing and lift our praises to the Lord, even gathered in all these other little spaces. God says, you will never stop my church. Who are we? We are gathering people.